You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. How many of you guys have been enjoying our Psalms of Ascent series? Are you enjoying that? Now, in Manchester, this is the last day for Psalms of Ascent. Is that the same in Chester? You got a few more. Last one. Last one. Wow. But that's good because we're going to be moving on to something really great. I'm glad that I get to kick it out the door for the year. And, uh, and to be here with Zaina on her first Sunday as well. That's, that's really cool. Um, so the psalm we're going to be looking at is Psalms 133. Check this out. Psalms 133. It's the big unity uh, ch- chapter, actually. This is the whole chapter we're going to read right now. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Now, here's how it describes unity. And I want to talk a little bit about the difference between uniformity and unity. How many know there's a big difference? Something can look like it's functioning in unity. You know, that band, I mean, they sound really hot. They're, they're pretty good. But, you know, what are they thinking about as they're playing the music? Are they really worshiping? There's a difference between uniformity and genuine unity. So this is, how, this is what it's like. This is what the psalmist writes. It is like... Precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. He's the high priest in the Bible. Down on the collar of his robe. Here's another thing that it's like. It's as if the dew of Hermon, we're going to get into some geography here. I'm going to feel like a, like a school teacher in a second. We're falling on Mount Zion for there. The Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Somebody say, unity Unity. brings blessing. Unity brings blessing. We read in Acts chapter 2, we're going to get to it a little bit later, that when all the disciples were together in unity in one accord, that's when the Holy Spirit was poured out. We read in the Old Testament about Solomon, and he had all of this stuff ready, all the sacrifices ready to be made. But it says when the people lifted their voice as one, that's when God's presence fell. We read about the walls of Jericho. You know, the priests were just there to kind of blast the trumpet, but the trumpet was just the rallying call because when the people lifted up their voice with a great shout what happened the walls came down are we ready for unity here in Chester oh I wish I could explain it to you so this whole idea of oil coming down the head oil is a beautiful picture all through the Bible of God's presence it's a beautiful picture of God's anointing of God setting somebody apart for a specific task and then it paints this picture of Hermon some people say Herman Mount Hermon it's actually Mount Hermon. Um, by the way, by way of introduction, I, you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not even from the United Kingdom. I'm originally from Florida. And, um, okay, that went down like a lead balloon. <laughs> I'm originally from Florida, but when I was 12 years old, my family moved to Jerusalem, Israel. Oh, a little bit better, okay. And, uh, and I lived there for all of my teenage years, and then I went to California, went to Bible college, met a beautiful young lady from Newcastle-upon-Tyne, and we have been married, and I've lived in the United Kingdom for 23 years. So don't go judging me based on my accent. I have lived here longer than some of you have been alive. I'm more British than you are. 
And so here's the thing that I can tell you as somebody who's grown up in Israel. Mount Hermon is located right at the north of Israel. Imagine this big map right here, right? Little map of tiny Israel. Israel isn't that big. Did you know Israel is the size of Wales? Some people know that, some people don't. It's tiny. And I mean, it's in the news all the time, but that's for the wrong reasons. Anyway, so at the top of Israel is Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is one of the only places in Israel that you can pretty much count on every year it's going to snow. It's snow. Because, I mean, it's a desert, right? Israel's like Middle East, desert. Nobody imagines that there's snow in Israel. But there's, in fact, there's even a ski resort at the top of Mount Hermon. But what happens, because it's so far north, and the, the um, what's the geographical word when something's higher? Uh, altitude? The altitude is so high. Thank you very much. The altitude is so high in Mount Hermon, that snow falls on Mount Hermon, and then it melts, right? What happens after it melts? It becomes water. And where does the water eventually feed down to as it goes further south? A river, the River Jordan. The River Jordan, you might have read about us, where Jesus was baptized. It's where the children of Israel entered through, through the east way. And it's a really important river. And then as it becomes the River Jordan, it then finds its way to Mount Zion in Jerusalem. So what is this psalmist saying about unity here? It's like the dew of Hermon landing in Mount Zion. He's saying that actually there is no space, there's no time, there's not even a division, that this country is so unified that it knows if the snow's on Hermon, I've got water. You can jump straight to that conclusion. And here's the thing, here's the application for that, just really quickly before we move on. The application for that is this. You might look around the planet and see God at work in one part of the world. You might even just look across the street and see somebody, (laughs) a neighbor or somebody, and God's really blessing them. And you can see that God's hand is on their life. And if you're not, if you're a bit like me, you you know, you're, you're not too proud to say it, you get a little bit jealous, you get a little bit envious, like, Why is God's hand of blessing being poured out on them and not on me? Well, guess what unity commanding a blessing means? Unity means that the same God who's blessing them says that your blessing is coming too. It's coming too. It's coming too. We've got to have the patience and the perseverance. So for the purpose of what I'm talking about today, we want to draw a really close parallel between Psalms 133 and another Bible verse. Check this out. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 14. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We're all baptized into one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but one but many. Everybody say one body. See, the vehicle you're in determines where you get to. The river you're planted by determines how fertile the land is. The people you attach yourself to will determine where you end up. And this is the beauty of Audacious Church. We're not just Audacious Chester, are we? We're Audacious Manchester, Audacious Cardiff, Audacious Sheffield, Audacious Geneva, Audacious all over the place. And we know that Audacious Honolulu is coming. And I told Pastor Glenn already, I'm first in line for that one. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love always protects. Everybody say protects. Always trust. Say trust. Always hopes, 
and always perseveres. Now, perseveres some of the time? No, no, no. Always. Always. This is the kind of unity that we're talking about today. So, always protects. First Peter 4, verse 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Now, okay, this is where I, I preached this in Sheffield last week. This is where everybody went really quiet. And I was a little bit worried. I thought, maybe I'm not preaching too good. You know, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not Lee Bryan. I can't, I, I can't even... I can't even do the accent. <laughs> Shocking. But do you know what I mean? I, I, I kind of don't mind it going a little bit quiet right now because we're going to get into it a little bit. If you're anything like me, sometimes you hear the truth, and the truth is just a little bit too sharp for me to hear at times. And I'm hoping for a little bit of that sharpness today. And this isn't me. This is God's word doing this, all right? Just a little disclaimer right there at the start. <sighs> I want you to imagine that there's a prosecuting attorney and a defense attorney. Somebody brings up a topic of somebody, maybe somebody in your family, or maybe somebody at work, or maybe somebody at church, and you can tell from the tone of their voice that they are aligning themselves with the prosecuting attorney. Did you see what that person did? Did you hear about what happened to X? What do you think about, uh, you know, this, uh, this other situation that's happening right now? What, what, what are your thoughts on it? <laughs> you just tell from the tone, right, that they're like, prosecuting attorney time. Are you going to be joining our case right now in order to rip this person to shreds? You have a choice in that moment. Do I align myself with the prosecuting attorney or do I align myself with a defense attorney? I hope you guys hear what I'm going with this. Are we the first ones to defend people or are we the first ones to accuse people? As Christians, as followers of Jesus, was he the first one to attack people or was he the first one to defend people? I'm not talking about his followers because they're great examples of how not to do things. But when it comes to Jesus, I tell you what, we have a defense attorney and it starts with God. Yes, you can clap that. You can 100% clap that. Oh, my days. This is so beautiful. John chapter 17, verses 20 to 21. So if you don't know John chapter 17, this is oh, it's my favorite chapter of the whole Bible. It's basically a long prayer that Jesus prays, right? And in this prayer, he starts it off, John chapter 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Like he's, he's praying to the Father. But how many know that Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, as Christians we call it the Trinity or the Triunity, they are one. They are one and the same. It's a beautiful picture of, of like a relationship that works and the beauty that happens. But Jesus is crying out to the Father. And then he prays for his followers because this is right before he gets died and, and comes back to life and all that. But he also, he doesn't just pray for his followers. He prays for the ones that are going to believe as a result of his followers' message. Who does that include? Did you know Jesus prays for you in the Bible? And this is, this is what Jesus says, okay? He says, my prayer is not for 
meaning his disciples, not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is the value of protecting each other. Unity protects, and we align ourselves with the defense attorney more than the prosecuting attorney. Why? Because Jesus prays for it. Jesus wants us to be one as he and the Father are one. I don't know if that blows your mind like it blows my mind. That is big. That is really big. The Bible says that there is somebody who's described as the accuser of the brethren. He's this, the, that's just old school English, all you young people. What is a brethren? <laughs> Do you grow them in the garden? No, no. The, the accuser of the brothers and sisters of the faith. There's somebody who, who already stands as the prosecuting attorney. It's almost like his job. His job is to point out every single default and everything that's gone wrong. And, and we have a choice. Are we going to align ourselves with the accuser or with the way the Bible describes Jesus is that he is making intercession between us and the Father. He's praying for us. He says, God, I know that right now they're not seeing things straight, but please, would you bring something along in their life that's going to put them back on the road to recovery? God, Father, I died for this person's salvation. Please just remember the blood. Please see them the way you see me. And he is constantly interceding for us. He is the defense attorney. And so this is an important decision for all of us. Are we going to protect? Are we going to be part of the defense attorney? There's loads of other verses. I'm already getting ahead of myself. But the second one is this. Unity trusts. Everybody say trust. Trust for me is huge. Trust. Uh, there's a, um, there's a, a famous preacher. I can't remember his name. But he says faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And I love that. I, I'm really big on faith. I'm big on trust. I'm big on taking risks, especially when it comes to the next generation. You guys have got all this to come. That you're going to take a risk. You're going to let them take risks because you know that that's, that's the best way to learn, really. And for me, in my own life, it's worked out through a very simple metaphor and an illustration that I talk about a lot, which is stage diving. Stage diving. Only put your hand in the air if you have ever been bold enough to attempt a stage dive. Have we got any divers, fellow divers? Yes, we got a stage diver. There's another one over here. I know for a fact my son has stage dived in Norway. Maybe you forgot about that. I've got video evidence of that as well. Okay, so I'm right in saying most people in the room haven't done a stage dive. Let me hook you up right now, okay? If, if at any point you're going to do a stage dive, or if you're able to see it as a metaphor for what we're talking about today, I'm going to give you the best three tips on a stage dive. Some of the, some of the young people are like, if I forget everything else, then I'm going to remember this right now. <laughs> Number one, trust. It's what we're talking about right now. You have got to trust that the people in front of you are going to be able to catch you. I have seen stage dive fails live and in person. I have seen people at the last minute go, hey, and step to one side, and the person lands in the mud, and then they've got to get up back on stage. 
<laughs> white and mud. It's crazy. But here's the thing. So you've got to have trust. You've got to really believe somebody is going to catch you there. The next, next one is risk. You've got to be willing to take a risk. If your feet don't leave the stage, then it's not really a dive. It, I don't even know what that is. What, what is that, Josh? A stage fall. It's a stage fall. You've, you've got, there's that, that moment of risk where you're jumping. And here's what God was showing me. He was saying, some people here today feel as though you're in that moment of limbo. You're between the stage and you're between the next thing that you've got for you. And here's the promise for you. You are taking a leap of faith. And God is so happy. He's looking at you going, yes. I love that they've taken that risk or that they've given that risk to somebody else. I love that. Trust, risk. And then the third one is reach. Okay, you've, you've got to reach out. A friend of mine, I won't say his name because some people in the room might know his name. At the last minute, he was doing a stage dive in, in the Netherlands in Holland. And at the last minute, for some reason, he decided to turn it into a stage cannonball. <laughs> and he turns around and all of his 200 and something pounds lands on this poor Dutch girl's face. And she hits the ground and all of his weight lands on her. They had to call the ambulance. Yeah, I'm not even joking. They had to call the ambulance. And the ambulance comes out, and he feels so bad. And I'm backstage with him. He's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, please, please don't sue me. He's like, do you want some free merchandise? <laughs> Here's some T-shirts and some CDs and everything. And she's looking up, and she's just like, this is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> but we do this, don't we? we? We quite often jump to the conclusion of, What's the worst that could happen? Let me try to mitigate my faith. Let me try to, you know, to scrutinize over this a little bit. And there is something that the British have come up with called a calculated risk. A calculated risk. Let me tell you this. Any risk you take for the gospel, any moment, any leap of faith you take for Jesus, it's worth it. It's worth it. You can calculate it as much as you want. It's going to be worth it. And unity trusts. Unity trusts. Let's trust each other. Let's trust each other. The third one is this, um, and it is unity hopes. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I told you, didn't I, that I preached this in Sheffield last week. I left all my notes by accident, including a beautiful little card that this girl gave me. I've, I've um, since lockdown, I've launched something called Soul Children UK. Soul Children UK is a growing network of youth gospel choirs. Youth gospel choirs. And God's been showing me so much stuff through these choirs. And this little girl, she's in our, our soul choir. She calls it Soul Gang. I'm in the Soul Gang in Adswood in Stockport. And she gives me this card, and on the front it says Soul Gang. And you open it up, and it's got an acronym for Soul, S-O-U-L. S for singing. O for overly exciting. U for us, because you help us. And L for love. L for love. Guys, unity at its core is about love. That passage we read before about perseverance and hope and trust. That's, that's 1 Corinthians 13. It's all about love. The whole thing's about love. She goes on in her card, and, and I, I literally left it in Sheffield. I haven't got it anymore. I think I might have grabbed a picture of it. I've, I've memorized most of it. Part of it, she, goes, she says this. She goes, 
if it wasn't for Soul Gang, I'm not sure I would be here. You're the reason that I come to school. They do it on school time. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, Lord Jesus, this is what church is. This is who we are. This is the salt and light that we are to a city called Chester, all right? And we need to represent this well. Let it start here, guys. If there's anything that's trying to battle at your unity, let's nip it in the bud. Let's get rid of it. Let's get to the bottom of things. We have this beautiful institution called small groups. And it's institutionalized. We have them right across the board. How many small groups have we got here? Do we even know? 32 small groups in Chester. And I'm sure they're going to keep growing. There's going to be more and more of them. If you're not in a small group, please join it. It's the closest thing Audacious has to a soul gang. And here's the thing. Here's what I've learned about choirs. You guys want to hear something really cool about choirs? Scientists have done this. They have, they have um, what are those things that are called that they, that they put on your heart to hear your heartbeat? And the, they like attach them. When you, I always imagine people running on ECG. They've ECG'd up a whole group of people. And here's the thing. No matter what people are doing, whether they're playing sports, whether they're playing music, whether they are praying together, anything like that, the only time that everyone's heart beats in time with each other is when they're singing together in a choir. It makes sense, right? Because you breathe in. You're singing out. There's like a rhythm to the beat as well. Everybody's joining in with that rhythm. And everybody's excited about the next thing that's coming in the chorus. And they're all together on it. Even though they're harmonizing, they're all pretty much singing together. Their hearts start to beat in time with each other. That, my friends, is a picture of Audacious Church. That's a picture of your small group. Singing together. Going out on mission together. I want to encourage you with that. Unity hopes. Everybody say unity hopes. And I'm running out of time, so we're going to get to our last one. Unity perseveres. Oh my goodness. Uh, can I, if, if you've got 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Unity perseveres. James chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Who wants to not lack anything? <laughs> perseverance. I want to go back to my metaphor that I got to before, that there is actually an enemy to unity. There is someone who does not sleep day and night who would love any little foothold in your life to sow a seed of disunity. That might be between you and Jesus. That might be between you and your family. That might be between you and your small group or your life group here at church. Or it might just be between you and your workplace or your school or just your life. Some people it's even between them and themselves. That's what mental health is. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to show you a picture in just a second. And this is legit. If you do forget everything else that I've said, I hope you remember this picture in the context of what I am going to make my final point. Is this okay, Lee? He's like, I haven't seen the picture. 
Some of you might be shocked by it. Some of you might be offended by it. I'm sorry. Offense is the bait of Satan. Go read the book. But here's the thing. There's an enemy of your soul who would love to bring disunity. And maybe we've been guilty to join him in the prosecuting attorney chair already. But today things can change. The point is this. We got to fight for unity. And this is the picture. This is my favorite WWF wrestler growing up. His name was the ultimate warrior. And today, as cheesy as it sounds, I'm going to tell you this. You have an ultimate warrior. You have an ultimate warrior who's fighting with you for unity. He's saying, bring it on. Give it your best shot. We're together on this, and nothing's going to bring us down. Jesus fought for unity. Do you know what his fight looked like? It looked like a cross. Jesus was willing to lay down his life. He laid it down. He, he said, I, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. We heard all this at Easter, didn't we? And when Jesus died on the cross, he actually said, it is finished. We know this, don't we? Paid in full. We have no excuse. And then this beautiful picture of the curtain being ripped from the top to the bottom. God's saying, I want unity with my people. You are invited to come in, to be one with me. And guys, this is beautiful. That Not only does the unity happen between us and God, like vertically like this, it can happen horizontally too. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.